Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is June 19th, 2023. It is Monday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by me. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is Bees do not have a smell, you know, and if they don't, they should for their feet are dusted with spices from a million flowers from Ray Bradbury. So what are we drinking today? We are drinking Owen's Garden Gate, which is a lemon lavender with butterfly pea flower. Um, I've been drinking mine like lattes, and that's been really fun because once you add milk, it goes back to blue. It's so fascinating. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So... Um, a little lavender for luck. This Owens family is known for their healing and abundant garden on Magnolia Street, and this tea captures their magic. As the tea brews, watch as it turns from blue to purple, a magic only the Owens apothecary could achieve. So I consider this a great tea for the light half of the year, and that is due to the uh, heavy florals involved, the lavender and the uh uh, the pea flower and then of course we have lemon which uh, you know can represent the sun and brightness so I think it's a perfect summer tea now this has no caffeine in it it is absolutely wonderfully done with uh, lattes which I've been doing um, basically I just use my milk frother uh, and I put in the tea uh, brewed tea with uh, some milk and I let it froth up and it's absolutely wonderful so today we're talking a little bit about lavender. So this comes to us from TamiculaLavenderCo.com. So lavender, the most magical of all herbs, has been revered, used, and cultivated since the beginning of recorded time. Its virtues are limitless and its allure captivating. No other herb incites such emotion as that of lavender. Whether you love the herb for its fragrance, healthful properties, or beauty, its magical qualities are ever-present. The lore of lavender is deeply rooted in the early discovery of the general pleasantness of the plant and the medicinal properties of its essential oil. It was discovered early that if clothing uh, was washed and left to dry on lavender bushes, the scent would permeate the fabric. And then once the clothes were donned, the wearer would develop a sense of calm and well-being. The common name lavender is believed to have its root in the Latin word uh, lavir, meaning to wash. Additionally, some theorists have suggested that it came from an early spelling of the word lavendula, which was the Latin word for uh, livid or bluish, which would make sense because lavender is um, like purplish, but like kind of bluish. Uh, legends prescribe that when Adam and Eve were exiled, they took lavender with them from the Garden of Eden, as it was thought to provide safety against evil. 
Legends continued to perpetuate the theory that lavender from the Garden of Eden, uh, Eden contained no significant scent until Mary, mother of Jesus, laid his clothing on the bush to dry. Lavender is referred throughout the Bible by name, which, uh, yeah, that's very fascinating. I didn't know it was so biblical. Uh, it has been well documented in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics that lavender was used for cosmetics, mixed with beeswax and placed under wigs to melt over the head to release the perfume, as well as in embalming and mummification. In ancient times, bundles of dried lavender were given to women in labor for squeezing during contractions, as the fragrance released was known to calm the pain and facilitate an unencumbered birth. Lavender po uh, posies and sachets were given to couples as marriage gifts to bring good fortune and peace to the newly formed household. And later, lavender became the main, um, the main ingredient in posies during the Black Plague to ward off the evil, uh, you know, stench of decaying, like, death, you know, gross. Um, yeah, that's really fascinating. I actually didn't know it had so much, like... I mean, I knew everyone loved lavender, obviously. Uh, there's a reason it's so popular and is so uh, so widely used in witchcraft, which we'll talk about later this week. But I definitely didn't know how biblical it was. That's really neat. All right, moving into some headlines. Oh, I love when we get one of these, but I am going to take a sip of my tea. No slurping, so you'll be okay. So, sentries... After they were convicted, Connecticut formally pardons men and women charged with witchcraft. And this is from CNN.com, uh, posted at the end of May, so only about two weeks ago. And, yeah, I love when we get these stories about, like, all these countries and, like, states, like, formally apologizing for uh, the terror they uh, put, you know, did to people. So hundreds of years after a group of men and women were tried and convicted of witchcraft, Connecticut lawmakers have formally exonerated them for their quote-unquote crimes. The Senate approved the resolution Thursday, according to a news release from Senator Saad Anwar, who actually introduced the bill. The resolution passed with a 33-1-2 vote, and the release said, Anwar's office says the resolution seeks to bring relief to the descendants of those who are maligned and acknowledge that they were treated wrongly. Quote, we cannot go back in time and prevent the banishment, tarnishing, and execution of the innocent men and women who were accused of witchcraft, but we can acknowledge the wronghoods they faced and the pain they felt, pain still recognized by their survivors today. Today, the Senate took an important step to own our state's history and provide relief to the memories of the deceased and their descendants who still struggle with their ancestors' wrongful treatment. The text of the resolution stipulates the General Assembly recognizes that residents of colonial uh, Connecticut were falsely accused of practicing witchcraft in the 17th century and that such persons were tried, convicted, and sometimes sentenced to death for such offense and declares that although these, accus uh, these uh, accusations, persecutions, trials, and executions cannot be undone or changed, no disgrace or cause for distress should attach to the heirs of those persons. So the resolution passed uh, the Connecticut House of Representatives May 10th, according to Anwar's release. 
The resolution will now go to Governor Ned Lamont's desk for his signature. Oof. Yeah. Wow. And it looks like they're specifically talking about um, the Hartford witch panic, uh, which led to 34 charged with witchcraft. And this was during the 17th century, you know, as we already touched on, but like as was a lot of uh, the witch craze. Alice Young, a resident of Windsor, Connecticut, was the first person executed for witchcraft in America. The judiciary documents showed she was hanged at the gallows in Hartford in May of 1647. It was noted the panic over witchcraft in Hartford was smaller than the one in Salem, Massachusetts, but started four decades earlier. The last witchcraft trial in the state happened in 1697 and resulted in the charges against Wallingford residents Winifred Benham and her teenage daughter being dismissed. Witchcraft continued to be listed as a capital crime until 1750. The Connecticut Witch Trial Exoneration Project, a group of advocates and ancestors of those convicted, said in a statement, a total of 34 victims were indicted on witchcraft charges in Connecticut during the 1600s. 11 were hanged. The group formed last year on the 376th anniversary of Young's hanging. They said it was ecstatic, pleased, and appreciative of the resolution's passing. Oof, yeah. I've always, um, I'm sure I say this every time we talk about this, but it's because it's important to me and I want to get the point across, is it really does bother me when, like, maybe modern witches, um, really claim these killings as a part of like their of modern witch legacy and like part of me understands like this idea of like fighting against the system which has always been a theme in witchcraft right and we talk about it because you know those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it we've all heard that so it is very important to see how fear and fear mongering and hysteria can lead to innocent people being killed However, um, while a lot of the people killed were maybe politically kind of similar to us in terms of, um, you know, the unmarried and um, midwifey and things like that, ultimately, they were people who were very, very dedicated to God. And they died. They died in name of their God. And they died begging their God. And for me, I feel it is very disrespectful to this person who has already uh, led such a cruel and unfair and uh, tragic life to be remembered as someone who did not who wasn't God-fearing, when obviously that was very important to them at the time. So I try to be very careful. Um, It bothers me when, like, you know, witches, you know, say things like, oh, we are the descendants of the witches in Salem, when no, no. And every once in a while, you'll you'll get a witch who claims to be. And um, we know the names. We have the lists, right? So it's like, okay. 
But all that means is you're a descendant of, of you know, Christians who, like, just self-imploded and practically cannibalized each other uh, politically, you know? So I'm just very, I try, because, you know, I'm very spirity. We've talked about that. I'm a ghosty gal. Um, I'm very spirit-centered. And for me, I think one of the worst things you can do is maybe misrepresent a spirit or be disrespectful towards a spirit. So I tend to be very sensitive to how people talk about the victims of these witch trials, especially in Salem and Massachusetts, because we know they were uh, Puritans. Um, and I just, I care more about their spirit and their peace than I do at our, um, kitschy need to hang our hats on them. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And I hope it's not coming across as anything. It's not meant to be, but I just care very deeply about like these people who went through enough being remembered as they would like to be remembered, you know? All right, all right, witches. <laughs> um, I almost said all right with an accent. I don't know how that happened. All right, witches, I am throwing this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Are you ready to unlock your intuition? Is tarot just not working out for you? Introducing a four-part class on the Normand Oracle Reading. Join us on a transformative journey into the captivating world of Lenormand, a truly unique and powerful reading system. What sets Lenormand apart? Unlike other divination methods, Lenormand provides precise and detailed insights into your life, relationships, and future events. This four-part Lenormand Oracle Reading class is tailored for those seeking a niche, specialized skill. Discover how to interpret Lenormand cards with precision, read dynamic spreads, and tap into your innate intuition like never before. Enroll now and unlock the hidden secrets of your destiny. Our four-part Lenormand Oracle reading classes begin in July, so sign up now at tanyabrown.schedulista.com. That's T-O-N-Y-A brown.schedulista.com. All right, we are back. So we're talking about two things today. Uh, today is Juneteenth, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we are moving into the summertime, summer solstice, and we're going to talk about that for the rest of the week. So let's dig in. First of all, what is Juneteenth? So Juneteenth is short for June 19th, which marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. And this comes to us from History.com, the History Channel. The troops' arrival came in a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, Juneteenth honors the end to slavery in the United States and is considered the longest running African-American holiday. On June 17th, 2021, it officially became a federal holiday. And Juneteenth, 2023, will occur on Monday, June 19th. So Confederate General Robert E. Lee had surrendered uh, two months earlier in Virginia, but slavery had remained relatively unaffected in Texas until uh, U.S. General Gordon Granger stood on Texas soil and um, read the general orders. Qu 
quote, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the uh, executive of the United States, all slaves are free. So the Emancipation Proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1863, had established that all enslaved people be um, freed. But like in reality, it didn't instantly free people, right? Like it like magic didn't sweep the land and people, uh, you know, enslaved people weren't suddenly just able to like go live a life, right? So the proclamation only applied to places under Confederate control and not to slaveholding border states or rebel areas under Union control. However, as northern troops advanced into the Confederate South, many enslaved people fled behind Union lines. So in Texas, slavery had continued as the state uh, experienced no uh, large-scale fighting. So again, people were just like, oh, cute law. We're just going to continue doing what we're doing. You know, it's not like um, the movie. It's not like the movies, right? In the movies, magic would sweep over the land. And then like everyone would just like. Like all the uh, things holding people in place would just magically disappear. And like that's just not reality, you know. So many enslavers from uh, outside the Lone Star State have moved there. Because they thought they could, like, get away with, like, not being in accordance. So after the war came to close in the spring of 1865, General Granger's arrival in in Galveston that June signaled freedom for Texas 25 or 250,000 enslaved people. And although the emancipation didn't happen overnight for everyone, in some cases, enslavers withheld the information until after the harvest season. So celebrations broke out among newly freed black people, and Juneteenth was born. That December, slavery in America was formally abolished with the adoption of the 13th Amendment. All right, witches. We are now talking about summer solstice. All week we're talking about summer solstice, and I hope we can find something for you to do, even if you're not a uh, Wheel of the Year witchy person, even if that's not your jam. I really, really hope that there's something that inspires you to uh, enjoy the sun, even if you're in the South and you hate the sun like me. So here we go. This actually comes from the Boston Public Library which my best friend works at. And uh, we're talking about the origins and practices of Litha. So Litha, I think, is June 21st this year. I think it's always June 21st. So Litha is a pagan holiday, one of the eight Sabbaths during the year. Litha, also known as Midsummer, occurs on the summer solstice and celebrates the beginning of summer. The traditions of Litha appear to be uh, borrowed from many cultures. Yeah. Um, So that's something we have to remember. Wicca, when when people say Wicca is the oldest religion, that is not accurate, right? Wicca is a relatively new religion that just takes from many older religions. So we could get into that a whole other time. So um, most ancient cultures celebrated the summer solstice in some way. The Celts celebrated Litha with hilltop bonfires and dancing. Many people attempted to jump over or through bonfires for good luck. I've also heard that on Beltane. Um, 
Other European traditions included setting large wheels on fire and rolling them down a hill into a body of water. You know, a lot of things seem like a great idea after a lot of beer. I, too, would set a wheel on fire and roll it into a lake. Uh, the summer solstice is the longest day of the year. Ugh. In some traditions, Litha is when a battle between light and dark takes place. In this battle, the Oak King and the Holly King battle for control. During each solstice, they battle for power and balance shifts. The Oak King, who represents daylight, rules from the winter solstice to Litha. During this time, the days steadily get longer. However, during Litha, the Holly King wins the battle, and the days get darker until Yule, which will have the longest night. So for modern-day pagans, Litha is a day of inner power and brightness. Some people find a quiet spot and meditate about light and dark forces in their world. Some other observers, particularly those with children, celebrate this holiday outside. Lastly, some observers choose to observe Litha more traditionally, where they hold a fire ritual. This might include a bonfire or a small fire and a fire-safe pot, uh, and you can do it inside safely. Um, Litha is also considered a good time to practice love magic and to get married. And the pagan version of this ceremony is called a hand fasting. And it includes many of the same practices one might find at a wedding. So yeah, super neat. I hope that uh, interests you. Um, yeah, really cool. And then so for the rest of the week, we're going to talk about the ways you can celebrate, uh, things you can do, um, what some of our listeners like to do to celebrate, and maybe you'll find some inspiration. I know personally, I'm not a wheel of the year person, uh, mostly because I don't know, it's just like, it's just never been my jam. Um, however, what I do like about it is that it kind of forces us to stop and pause and be present. And I do like that. So uh, hopefully something we share this week will be helpful to you. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Vanessa. Vanessa, you wise, dapper werewolf. Veronica, you bombastic, fancy vampire slayer. And Victoria Hernandez, you graceful, golden muskox. Thank you three so much for being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. Um, oh, and just so you know, for the Lenormand class, I did add a night class. So again, July, the Saturdays in July, there's an afternoon slot and a night slot. So you can do whichever slot you prefer. Uh, so check that out if you're interested in learning more about Lenormand. I've, been, I've, I've had a lot of fun putting it together. And so I did want to like say, if you're like, well, what's the difference between me just reading a book or reading a website? I've read the books and I've read the websites post learning how to read. Right. And I will say they're all great and we all have to start somewhere and we all have to make the cards work for us. And that may change in meanings and things like as we learn. But I will say I teach you how I read. I teach you how I view the cards. I teach you like what has worked for me reading for over a decade for hundreds of people. So I'm not regurgitating from a book. I'm not regurgitating from a website. I'm literally writing down what these cards mean to me and um, why that makes sense to me versus maybe what every book has just been putting in print for however long, you know? So... Yeah, 
as an actual reader, because I just have a bit, I have a huge conspiracy theory that a lot of the people writing the content about Lenormand maybe don't actually proficiently read it. And that's not to slight anyone. It's just like the stuff I see never really corresponds to actual practice for me. But um, yeah, so I added a night class that was um, on request. So just check that out. Um, so before we leave, we do have a card pull. This is kind of a long episode, but I was gone last week. So I apologize. I went to um, the Curiosities and Oddities show, which meant I didn't have time to record. So that was my break. Uh, but so this is a longer episode, but we had a lot to talk about. So our card today is the 10 of pentacles from the Buffy tarot. The 10 of pentacles finds you winning the game of life and no, you can't trade the children in for more cash. You are heavy on abundance, low on strife and wanting for nothing. Isn't it great? Now that you've made it, it's perfect time to examine how you can give back. How can you care for your Scoobies? What can you do to take sh- to make sure everyone around you has enough? Sharing is caring after all. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we reference today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Bye. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.